0: H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. Welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast. I'm Jill, and today I want to talk about emotion intensity. Just like we all don't experience alcohol in the same way, meaning some people will be more sensitive to the effects of pleasure and relaxation, we don't all experience emotions the same way either. Some people have very intense emotional reactions to very simple everyday things, and that just makes life a lot more challenging for them. When we drink, we have extreme highs and lows, but I've been wondering lately, are some of us naturally prone to extreme highs and lows? Research has found that people who have very intense emotions also have more complicated lives. So, in this episode, we're going to talk about how our emotions can vary, where emotions come from, and why we have them. And at the end of the episode, I will cover three strategies you can use to start regulating your emotions. So, let's dig in. In my conversation with Dr. Lemke back in episode 76, she was talking about how some people are more intense than others, and those people may be more prone to addiction, but that it's okay if your dial goes up to 11. I am absolutely one of those people. I compare my experience to my husband's a lot because he does not struggle with alcohol at all. Each episode of this podcast requires about five to ten hours of research and work, depending on the topic, and my My motivation is to understand why this happened to me and not someone like my husband who was drinking just as much as I was. If you listen to episode 32 where he was on the podcast, he talked about some of his risk factors including all the drinking that he saw as a kid, starting drinking at a really young age, his own mental health, but he grew up to just be a take it or leave it drinker. Something I've always noticed is he always seems to be completely in control of his emotions things don't get him like they get me and that's what inspired me to research this episode My biggest trigger is being told that I'm stupid and that button has been pushed a couple times recently. My response was immediately thinking about getting drunk, then thinking that I should never eat again. Basically, I went through a big list in my head of self-destructive things that I could do in response to feeling so upset. When I take a moment and think, what's your motivation here? Why does this situation make you want to never eat again? How would that Even really help anything. It's my attempt to get back some control in my life in a situation where I feel very out of control. I asked my husband about this and he never feels out of control. He always knows he's going to get through things and no matter what, everything will be okay. And I think that's one reason that he doesn't feel compelled to do self-destructive things because he doesn't feel overwhelmed or out of control by his emotions. So it got me curious, like, what are emotions? Why do we have them? So they help us survive and reproduce, even if they seem like they're constantly messing up our lives. So for example, the amygdala is an area of the brain that triggers emotional responses that let us cope with fear or anger. Fear can then go on to trigger hormones in our flight or flight response which prepares the body to act. Emotions are important because they prompt us to act quickly and do things that will maximize our chances for survival. Now, many of us struggle with emotions that don't really help us survive at all, like anxiety, and actually hurt our quality of life. But the overall purpose of having emotions is to motivate us to do something. If you felt apathetic all the time and didn't care about anything, then you wouldn't do anything about it. Emotions don't just help us with critical life-or-death situations. They also help us make everyday decisions. They're designed to help us make faster decisions. Ideally, we would use logic and our emotions to make the best decision for ourselves. We use body language and facial expressions from others to determine how they might be feeling, and that allows us to figure out how to socialize with them. And this is one of the skills that suffers the most when you drink heavily for a long time. We lose the ability to understand facial expressions and inaccurately judge the emotions of other people. When something happens to us, we focus on it and then we assign meaning to it. The meaning that we assign the situation then produces... The emotional response that we have. So let's use my stupid belief here. Someone says something and the meaning that I assign to it is that they think I'm stupid. Because that means they think I'm stupid, I feel hurt, which then triggers intense anger. The intense anger triggers me to want to drink or restrict food. But the loop started because I determined that whatever the person said means they think I'm stupid. So what I'm saying here is the way we view the world determines how we feel. A few studies have found that emotion intensity influences how we choose to deal with the emotion. For lower emotion intensities, people generally go with positive coping strategies like reframing, which is a skill that we talked about in episode 94. For higher emotion intensities, people use avoidance, but studies have found that avoiding emotions just increases their intensity. This is exactly my experience too. The more that I drank at people or drank to reduce my feelings of overwhelm, the worse I felt afterwards. I could make the extreme emotions from one bad experience last for weeks by drinking. And now in sobriety, one bad experience lasts a couple days. We experience emotions at different intensities and we have different thresholds for how much we can handle before needing to do something about it. Some of us can tolerate sadness or anger better than others. I have depression so experiencing sadness is normal for me and it's more like a background feeling. I know there are some things that I can do to help but overall it is what it is. Anger is a different story for me though. That's a feeling that I really struggle with. The amount of a specific feeling that you can tolerate also affects how well you cope with things and how much effort you need to put in to dealing with the emotion. This is called the window of tolerance. The amount of the emotion that you can tolerate before needing to do something self-destructive. And I'm going to have an interview on this topic in the next few weeks, so make sure that you follow the podcast so that you don't miss when that episode comes out. Plus, following the podcast also helps people who need this information discover the show easier. Dr. Ed Diner, who is a psychologist from the University of Illinois, described two different people that he had come across in his research on emotions. The first was a woman who lost her favorite pen and became depressed for days. And then she saw an ad for a big sale on shoes and got so excited that she immediately got into her car and drove three hours to go to the sale. On the other extreme, a man was told his cancer was in remission and he reported being somewhat happy for about a day before going back to neutral. If you think about these two people, the woman is going to have a much more challenging life because of her extreme emotions and impulsive behavior. If losing a pen can push her into a depression for days, then what will truly bad events Due to her. Someone like this might seek to control their emotions with alcohol, food, or shopping, where the man who basically stayed neutral when he found out his cancer was gone is going to have a much easier time dealing with things. When he found out he had cancer, he was probably pretty undisturbed too, or disturbed for a very brief amount of time. Someone who experiences emotions very intensely might also feel why bother and self-destruct and self-sabotage by drinking heavily because they feel that nothing will ever work out for them or it doesn't matter anymore, which just makes the situation worse for them. Another psychologist from Michigan State University, Dr. Emmons, has found that the emotionally intense have more varied goals and feel more conflict because they are trying to do so many things. They also report getting more colds and flus than less emotionally intense people, and that's probably because increased stress decreases your immune system. A study published in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology by Dr. Diner and colleagues found that the difference in emotional styles is closely linked to how people think about events. So remember in the beginning of the episode, I was talking about emotions come from the meaning that you assign to an event. So in one part of the study, they showed disturbing images to participants and analyzed their reactions. The emotionally intense put themselves or their loved ones in the situation, thinking things like, what if this happened to me or someone in my family? where the more neutral people focused on the details of the pictures and thought things like, it looks like his pants are brand new. The emotionally intense not only related the situation to themselves, but focused on the worst part of the image and used that to make generalizations about the world, like saying everyone is evil. The conclusions of this study are that the emotionally intense exaggerate the emotional impact of events, how much the event relates to them, and they become emotionally absorbed in the meaning of the event. Or in other words, we ruminate on things and we struggle to let them go. Some researchers believe that emotionally intense people thrive on highly emotional situations and the intense highs and lows that these create, which makes sense to me because when we're drinking, we thrive on the chaos in our lives and the intense highs and lows. And when someone quits drinking, they may think that they're bored and that not drinking is boring and will never be fun. And that is just confusing peace for boredom. When you stop drinking, you lose the ability to have those extreme highs and lows, and the chaos starts to disappear from your life, and that can be misinterpreted as boredom. So I think it's interesting that researchers think the emotionally intense thrive on these intense highs and lows that their emotions create. Psychologists also believe that the stronger a person's emotions, the less awareness they have of them. Meaning like we have a very intense emotion, but we don't know exactly what the emotion is. Not understanding how you feel and why you feel that way makes it really challenging to deal with the feeling in a healthy way because you don't even know what the feeling is. And that's one reason that people turn to alcohol to cope. A main part of staying sober is doing the work to manage your emotions and develop your emotional sobriety. I have a free ebook on this topic that I will link in the show notes for you if you want to work on that. And in episode 94, we talked about the strategy of cognitive reappraisal and reframing the situation. So I encourage you to go listen to that one next, if you haven't yet. When we reframe a situation, we decrease the activity of the emotional systems in the brain, which changes our physical response too. You'll start to feel more calm and your heart rate will slow down, because remember, the emotions that we feel prepare the body to act. People who struggle with their emotions, though, either because they are emotionally intense or because they have mental health conditions like depression, will stay in unpleasant emotional states for longer, and they will also struggle to maintain positive feelings. Researchers believe this is because of the way our brains work and that people with mental health conditions have abnormal activation patterns in the cognitive control areas in their prefrontal cortex. So this makes it harder for them to use cognitive reappraisal and regulate negative emotions. So again, like everything I say, it is not a choice. You're not choosing to be emotionally intense. It's the way that your brain works combined with maybe not having great coping skills. And since addiction is also a mental health condition, this might apply for you whether you have depression or anxiety or not. So there are steps that we can take to learn to regulate our emotions. So I want to go over three of those. So one, identify your triggers. If you don't know what upsets you, then how will you know how to handle it? So you can do this by learning self-awareness. Anger is pain's bodyguard. It's a secondary emotion that protects us from feeling another emotion that makes us feel more vulnerable. So whenever I'm angry, I ask myself, Who hurt you? And that allows me to stop focusing on how angry I am, how unfair my life is, how much everybody sucks, and instead figure out exactly what set me off. When you understand what your triggers are, you can take steps to deal with them. Two. Situation selection. If you struggle with reframing a situation, then situation selection is an easy place to start. So think about the future and take steps to avoid situations that upset you. You obviously cannot avoid everything, but if you know every time you watch the news you feel horrible after, then spend less time watching the news. Situation selection is about choosing situations based on what emotion you will feel in the situation and after. So this also involves self-awareness because you have to understand how things will make future you feel and reflect on your past experiences. If you get a craving on your way home from work because you drive past your old liquor store, then situation selection involves changing your route so you don't drive past the liquor store. And three, support. If you're struggling to manage your emotions and you keep getting sucked into a loop where you feel badly and then you judge yourself for feeling the way that you feel, then getting support will help. I learned how to regulate my emotions in therapy and by asking my husband and a couple trusted friends for their opinion on situations that really upset me. Sometimes we're too close to a situation and too emotionally invested to see it for what it really is. So remember, we feel an emotion because we have assigned meaning to the situation. But sometimes the meaning we assign to that situation is incorrect. Talking to a therapist or a trusted friend can help you learn to recognize when the meaning you have assigned to a situation is wrong. And if you don't have a therapist or a trusted friend, join the Sober Powered Facebook group and ask us and we will tell you the truth and help you work through it. So I'll include a list of episodes that go over emotional sobriety skills in the show notes like I do on each episode. And if you enjoyed this or it was helpful for you, I would really appreciate if you would share it with someone and help me spread the word about this podcast. And I will talk to you next week. I'm Madeline and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober podcast.